evidence and answers. With the recent scientific discovery of evidence of water found on Mars, what are we as Christians to make of this claim? Is there really life on Mars? And if so, how does that fit in with the Bible? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on the show, Pat will be interviewing scientist Jeff Sweenik about this matter of evidence found on Mars and his take on it from a biblical standpoint. Stay tuned. This will be a very informative discussion that I'm sure you won't want to miss. Here with part one of this interview is our host, Pat Zucran. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and present biblical answers to the challenges Christians face today. Well, making headlines all over the world recently, NASA believes they have discovered signs of water on the planet Mars. Does this prove there is or there was once life on Mars? Does this prove the existence of extraterrestrial life on other planets in the universe? And if so, what implications does this have to biblical teachings and our faith in Christ. To help us with this discovery and its implications is astrophysicist Dr. Jeff Zwierink. Jeff is a research scholar with reasons to believe. He earned a Ph.D. in astrophysics from Iowa State University. His writing and speaking encourage people to consider the connection between Scripture's truth and the scientific evidence. He is the author of Who's Afraid of the Multiverse and co-author of the Impact Events series. Jeff also holds a part-time research faculty position at UCLA. So it's a great privilege to have Dr. Jeff Zwierink on our show. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks, Pat. It's good to be here today. Jeff, give us a thumbnail sketch of what the discovery was on Mars recently. Well, this is a discovery. You know, we've been looking for evidence of water out on Mars, and there are some kind of tantalizing signs that Mars has had water in its past. I think there's some pretty good, strong evidence for that. But there's this open question of, is there water on Mars today, or does liquid water ever show up on Mars today? And there were these features on the planet where, you know, they're kind of long, dark streaks that are running downhill. And so you might imagine, you know, if you had a a hill that had a lot of dirt on it, you dump some water down it, it would make this dark streak down the hill. And so they saw things that were reminiscent of that on Mars, and they thought, hey, maybe this was caused by liquid water. And the problem is that's not the only way to get those things. And so they needed to find some other evidence that would say, yes, this was water. And so what they specifically did was look for some salts that would have been dissolved in the water and then precipitated out as the water evaporated. And lo and behold, they found those salts. And so this is pretty strong evidence that in these regions where you've got these dark streaks, which are, they're called linea, that those linea are caused by water that comes about from somewhere, that's a little bit of an unknown question, dissolves these salts and then precipitates the salts out, and we now see these dark features called linea. Now, Jeff, where is this water coming from? That's a really good question. There's, depending on which one you're looking at, it may be different ways, because some of them are in the mid-latitudes of Mars, and in that case, it'd be very unlikely that there would be ice or anything underneath that might heat up and melt. So it may be that there's water in the Martian atmosphere and these salts just absorb the water out of the air. There's it's kind of a property of certain materials that they will dissolve water out of the air and actually liquefy themselves. 
And so it may be that. It may be in other regions there may be subterranean ices that are melting as the temperature gets warmer. It's really kind of an unknown as to where these might come about. But we do know other places like the Phoenix Lander, where it landed, it dug a hole in the ground and found what looked to be water ice cubes. So there is water around on Mars, but it's unclear where exactly the water's coming from for this. But the significant thing is, is that it looks like there's actually liquid water or minute amount of liquid water around even today. Yeah, that's my understanding from the articles I'm reading. There's not like a vast ocean of water, but there would be just like small puddles of water on Mars, if there is. Is that correct? Yeah, and well, and that, that's what I find kind of amusing about the headlines. Is my, my favorite one was out of the Atlantic. It says, NASA announces that water is flowing on Mars. You know, it gives this idea of streams running down the hills and into, into lakes and even oceans. And this is the sort of amount of water that you're not even detecting the water because there's so little water there but that as it gets to the surface, it would almost instantaneously evaporate. So this is just some underground remnants or evidence of water that was very briefly there that all we're seeing is what's left after it evaporates, kind of like a stain on your pants sort of thing. It's, you're not actually detecting the liquid, you're detecting the junk that was in the liquid after it evaporates. I see. And tell us about the temperature and the atmosphere on Mars. I understand the temperatures are really fluctuate so much that it's really difficult to have sustain any kind of water on the surface out there. Is that correct? That is very correct. And not only is the, the temperature is pretty low, I think the highest it gets is just barely over the freezing point of water, you know, somewhere around you know, a few degrees Celsius above zero, which would be just barely over the freezing point of water. Typically, it's far below that. And not only that, there's so little atmosphere that the water, even if there were liquid water there, it would just almost instantaneously evaporate. So to find liquid water on Mars today would be a pretty remarkable thing because the conditions are pretty hostile to liquid water right now. I see. Now, why is this exciting news for the scientific community that we may have found traces of water here on Mars? Well, what's exciting about it is that we're actually finding evidence of liquid water there today. This is kind of a an unknown question of how does the environment of Mars look today? Most of the times, the rovers we've put out there, the landers that have dug in, the satellites that are orbiting, they've all been looking for evidence of liquid water. And what they find is evidence that water has been there in the past. And so, you know, so you've got these places where you've got these silica deposits, which shows that at some point in time in Mars's past, there was a body of water there, but it's long since evaporated. Or they find these little hematite nodules or things like that, that again, point to evidence of water in Mars's past. There's been no evidence of there being water there today. And so the fact that there's water there today is what's interesting. And really, this is all kind of driving at the question of what is it that makes a planet habitable? We think, you know, there's a lot of people that would say where there's liquid water, we're certainly to find life. And so this gives us one more data point where we found liquid water outside of the Earth or evidence of liquid water. And now we can actually go and investigate, does it have any signs of life there? That would be another data point that would help us answer that question. Is there life out there in the universe? I mean, the presence of water, does that equal life? I mean, there's a lot more required than just add water, I understand. That's my take, and that's the, the position of the organization Reasons to Believe that I work for, is liquid water is clearly a requirement. I mean, there's no 
way to get around just all of the life-friendly properties that water has. It's thermal properties, it's mechanical properties, it's boiling point and freezing point and the things that it can dissolve. There's just no other substance like water, no matter how you slice it. So water is a critical component of life. But that doesn't answer the question of, is it a sufficient component for life? Or, or in other words, where you have liquid water, are you going to get life? Now, a lot of people, a lot of scientists and a lot of the popular press is that where you find water, you're going to get life. I think it actually requires a lot more than that. You know, I have scientific reasons why I think that. And I think one kind of interesting biblical reason, you look in the, the early parts of Genesis there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So even in Earth's early initial conditions, it's covered in liquid water, but yet it's still hostile to life and has no life in it. So I just don't see the connection that where there's water, there's going to be life. It's critical for life, but it doesn't mean you're going to get life where you find water. Yes, and from what I understand, even the water content there has to have the right chemical balance. I mean, if it's too salty or other things, then it really can't sustain life. And that's something we need to investigate on Mars, isn't that? I mean, what is the content of this water? It doesn't have the chemistry to sustain any kind of life. Is that correct? No, that's a very good point, Pat. You know, when we think of water, we're thinking of this environment that we see here on Earth. And this, it, even in these, these studies, the water that is being talked about here is a pretty caustic type of water. It has a lot of things that are called perchlorates. In fact, those were the salts that they were looking for, they found, that says, okay, liquid water is what's responsible for producing these linea. But perchlorates are pretty hostile to organic materials. You know, these are the sorts of things that, you know, bleach, it's not a perchlorate, but it's in that same family of materials. And bleach is used to destroy organic compounds and to, and to clean things. And so it's not that there aren't organisms that can be in the presence of perchlorate and even thrive there, but these are, in general, pretty hostile conditions for life. So, you know, it's a good point. It's not just the fact that there's water. It's what are the conditions of the water. This water is both pretty salty and it's salty with stuff that is pretty hostile to life. Yeah, now, Jeff, you folks list several conditions that must, you know, be just right in order for a planet to have some kind of life. How many ingredients or how many things must be right for a planet to just sustain some kind of life form? I know the number is quite astronomical here. Yeah, and, and it really, you know, some of those, how many that number turns out to be kind of depends on how you define things. But, you know, some of the things that need to be true, you've got to have a particular type of atmosphere. You know, Mars, even if it had the right temperature, the atmosphere is so dense that water just evaporates very quickly. There's a very small temperature range where it's liquid. So you've got to have the right kind of atmosphere. You also have to have a planet that has ongoing and active plate tectonics. And again, we see kind of evidence for tectonic activity in Mars's past, but we see very little evidence of it today. You know, in contrast, Earth has this very vibrant tectonic cycle that it goes through, you know, that, uh, you know, you've got volcanoes and earthquakes. It's a sign of active, ongoing plate tectonics. You need to have soils. That's one thing that I find kind of interesting as we've been able to get out onto Mars and investigate what it looks like. There are Martian soils, if you will, but when we look at those soils, they're very different compared to Earth soils. 
you know, I grew up in Iowa, grew up in Missouri and Iowa, and we've got very good soil for growing things. In fact, it's you're hard pressed to have any soil that isn't growing something. You know, I moved out here to California, and you've got these larger deserts where you can go pretty large stretches without seeing stuff growing. But even then, there's microbial life in there. But the soils that are on Mars are not particularly conducive to life at all. And so, you know, you've got to have active tectonics. You've got to have the right kind of atmosphere. You've got to have the right kind of soils. You've got to have large mountains and deep oceans, a place for the waters to concentrate. You've got to have a star that doesn't have too much flaring activity because that's the radiation from that environment will be pretty detrimental to life. You've got to have a planet that has a magnetic field. That puts constraints on what kind of galaxies it can form in. And so there are just this whole sequence of things that are pretty critical for life that extend far beyond just having liquid water. Yeah, that's a great point you make. Now, when we say there may be life out there, what does, you know, quote, life mean? Well, it can range anywhere from just the simplest bacterial or microbial life all the way up to large animals. And the short answer is we just don't know what's out there. We don't have the tools to actually make that measurement. Now, I think you can marshal some really strong scientific reasons to say that there's probably no life out there. All of the conditions that are required to get life or that are required for life here on Earth they may not be met anywhere else in the observable universe. And so if that's the case, then maybe there isn't any other life out there. But I, as a Christian, I always, I, I'm, I'm a little cautious there because I don't, also don't want to put constraints on what God might have done. You know, clearly on Earth, God has done this work to prepare Earth so that it's capable of supporting life and filled with life. Might he have done that somewhere else? I don't know. I, 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 as I've read through the scriptures, I just see the Bible's largely silent on what God did out there. So I'm open to the possibility that God might have done that somewhere else. But even if we were to find that, we would still see that life pointing back to God, just like the life here on earth points back to God. Yeah, you know, Jeff, the question I get often is that why does it have to be a life form similar to that here on the earth? Does it have to be a carbon-based life form? Could it be a silicon-based life form or some other kind of form of life? It's a very common question. And and again, I I can't rule out that it can't be any other form of life just because there's a lot of, there's quite honestly, there's just a lot of chemistry that we don't completely understand. And so there's this possibility that maybe often what we don't know, there's just some way of constructing life. But from very pretty simple chemistry principles, you can show that carbon is really the the element that you want to build life on. Because one of the hallmarks of life is that you've got to have a pretty complex chemistry in order to make life happen. And the element, the atom that will allow a complex chemistry is carbon. It allows four bonds. It has you know bonds that can be weaker and stronger. It can form multiple bonds with some elements. It can more form single bonds with others. You know, there's just a whole plethora of literature out there that shows how well tuned carbon is for hosting life. And the reason why silicon is talked in that mix is that if you look on the periodic table, silicon is right below carbon. And so it's got chemical properties that are similar, but even when you compare carbon to silicon, what carbon can do so outpaces what silicon can do that even then it's questionable whether silicon has the complexity needed for life. So 
I'm open to the idea that maybe someday we'll find an obscure part of chemistry that we haven't explored yet that says, okay, yes, you can do life on something other than carbon. But there's all of the data to this point parts points to carbon being the required atom on which you're going to build a chemistry that can host life. I see. You bring up some really good points there. You know, Jeff, do you think we'll find extraterrestrial life on Mars or perhaps another planet? Again, uh, I, I don't. That's a great question that has a, a whole complexity of answers. I think there's a very good possibility that we'll find the remains of life, because what happens in our solar system is that there are these times where things will hit or collide with one of the planets, and in doing so, it will excavate material from the planet and throw it out into space. And if eventually those chunks that are thrown out into space land somewhere else, and that's, that's what we call meteorites. So we see evidence of Martian meteorites getting blown off of Mars, circulating in space, and eventually landing here on Earth. And so we can track a lot of those meteorites. Well, that process of bringing stuff to Earth also works the other way around. Things will hit Earth, blow material off, and send them off to Mars. So in all likelihood, some of those meteorites have transported life from Earth out to Mars. We may be able to find someday the remnants of life that has, was originally on Earth and was transported out to Mars. Well, how would we know which one came from where? Well, that's where, depending on what sort of conditions and how well preserved it was, if you go in and you find that it has the same genetic code as life here on Earth, that would be an argument that they're the same kind of life that's just been transported one to the other. In fact, a number of people have argued because Earth was so hostile to life early on that maybe life started on Mars and was transported here. Now, if we found life on Mars and life on Earth and they had the same genetic code, we couldn't distinguish which of those it was. But that's where, you know, maybe if you could figure out did life predate on Mars, predate Earth or something like that, that would be some way of making that determination. But there are other ways we could conceive of different genetic codes, those sorts of things. Or maybe it was an entirely foreign genetic signature on one of the organisms that we found on Mars, or the remains of the organisms. And so that would be a way of distinguishing. But until we actually find life out there, it's very difficult to know what we might be able to measure and see whether this life was from Earth or not. Well, let's explore that a little bit. You were saying that perhaps there is the possibility that there could have been life on Mars previously but no longer exists. Tell us a little bit about that. How could that have come about? The reason why scientists think that may be true is that if you look back in Mars's history, there's evidence of Mars having a lot of liquid water. If you look back early in Earth's history, again, you see evidence of water, but there's some scientific data that points to, or some scientists are arguing that the conditions on the early Earth were very hostile to life. And so, if, again, if, if water means life and Mars had water early in its history, maybe Mars had life early on and that life was transported to Earth. Now, I think there's a, a lot of you know, scientific speculation going on there. And what I mean by that is that they're throwing out ideas and then saying, how can we test them? And we really don't have the data to test that at this point. But this is, you know, going, kind of tying this back into our discovery of the water here on Mars, is that the more we can find environments on Mars that approximate Earth, and the closer the approximation then as we can go out and study those environments and ask the question, is there any signs of life ever having been here? That will help us answer the question of, 
how scientifically plausible is it that life arose somewhere else? You know, RTB takes the position that it's very implausible, apart from divine intervention, that life arose somewhere else. And so if we go to Mars and find that, oh yeah, there are these places where there's liquid water and it seems like there could be life, but yet we find no evidence of life, that would be data in, or that would be evidence in support of RTB's hypothesis there. You know, Hugh Ross states in his article, Life on Mars, he says, if NASA searches long and hard enough, it should find evidence for at least some small amount of life remnants on Mars. So it seems like, at least with Hugh Ross and some other scientists, they believe eventually we're going to find some form of life there on Mars. Is that correct? Yes, but there's a little bit of different motivation for why Hugh's saying that and why other scientists are saying that. Hugh is saying that because life is so prolific here on Earth that these meteorites that get blasted off of the Earth and land on Mars are going to carry life out to Mars, and that's the remains of the life that we're going to find. Most scientists are saying the remains of life we're going to find are from this period early in Mars's history where it had a bunch of liquid water, and then all of those organisms have just died now, and we're going to find the remains of them. So they're got two very different scenarios, but nonetheless point to the significance of actually going out to Mars and seeing, can we ascertain whether there was ever any life on Mars or not? Why is there such a strong drive here to find alien life or extraterrestrial life on other planets here in the scientific community? There seems to be a very strong drive to prove that there is life on other planets. You know, I think a part of that is just inherent in human nature done some reading on how long this discussion of is there extraterrestrial life out there goes and you can trace writings of it back to before christ you know the people have been talking about this theologians and various people have been talking about this and yeah i kind of ironically make the comment that it wouldn't surprise me if adam and eve were discussing that in the garden of eden i think it's just a question that fascinates humanity. Or is there other life out there, or is this the only life there is? And so that's part of the drive. But I do think there's another aspect, that we want to understand where did life come from here on Earth? Like I said, at RTB, I'm very comfortable making an argument, and I think it's a scientifically very reasonable and rational argument, that the evidence points to a mind, something beyond just space-time, matter, and energy of this universe, that created life and developed and fashioned life here on Earth. But there's a lot of secular scientists out in the community don't want to have any sort of divine or, or beyond natural intervention, supernatural intervention, if you will. And so they're looking for a strictly naturalistic explanation. Part of the difficulty in answering that question is that life seems incredibly improbable or incredibly rare, but we only have one sample. We have life here on Earth. Whereas if we were able to find life somewhere out in the cosmos, whether it be on Mars or whether it be some distant planetary system, that gives us two data points, and now we can begin to discriminate. Is Does the evidence point to a supernatural origin, or is it more consistent with just a naturalistic origin? And that's kind of why I think as Christians, we need to be, or I would encourage Christians to think very carefully about this, because often the way that discussion happens is, the only place we're ever going to find life is here on Earth. Well, if God chose to create life somewhere else, that's his prerogative, but we don't want to rule out the possi- or rule out that possibility so that if it happens, we kind of by default say the naturalists have won. Because even if we find life out there, I, or I still contend that that life is going to point to a divine creator just like life here does on Earth. 
Yeah. Well, how is the search for extraterrestrial life going? I remember once, you know, we had numerous programs like SETI and others searching for extraterrestrial life. But from what I understand and what I've been reading, the funding and all that has really gone down and and, you know, the search for extraterrestrial life is not as vibrant as it once was. Is that the case? I think yeah, there was a period in the 80s and 90s where it was really big and really popular, and there was a lot of telescope time devoted to it. In that sense, you know, just kind of general support for it across the scientific community and funding agencies, that has diminished quite dramatically. Now, there are some people who are philanthropists who've given quite generously to build instruments that are dedicated towards looking for extraterrestrial intelligence. Now, what's a non-controversial statement is that there's no evidence that we have found in our 30, 40 years of searching for any sort of terrestrial intelligence or extraterrestrial intelligence. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. Be sure to join us next time for the continuation of this exciting show. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, click on the Donate button on the lower right-hand side of our homepage. That's evidenceandanswers.org. We have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. <laughs>